and the plot is mm. happening concurrently Sometimes to a point that's kind of extreme because the last villain in it, I remember he's just kind of like, I'm waging everything against your team, Yurameshi, and if your team wins, then you die. But it, or if, wait, no. <laughs> Shit, no, that's just like, <laughs> <laughs> I fucked that up so bad. I fucked that up so bad. No, no. <laughs> if my team wins, you die. If your team wins, you, you also die, Yurameshi. That's not what happens. <laughs> Hello everybody, I'm Pax and this is Brotakus, the show where a bunch of people who love anime do a deep dive on what isn't isn't worth watching. We believe you don't need a major in anime studies to enjoy this wild, beautiful, strange art form and we are lucky to have you on this journey with us today, returning champion Kay Savar, after taking part in our most successful, least popular episode in terms of feedback, eliciting the most angry feedback that we've ever had in Brotakus, the Demon Slayer episode. Uh, you can find them at, at ObeyWanKenobe. That will be in the description. Host of the 3AM Thoughts podcast. Kay, how are you doing today? I am so absolutely spectacular. Thank you for having me. Fuck yeah, fuck yeah. And also returning is the man, the myth, the legend, Henry Rosenberg. Not the special man, anymore. The man who's responsible for most of the negative messages that we got on our YouTube account <laughs> for the Demon Slayer episode. <laughs> so thank you, Henry. I'm oh, going to have even, to look at those. Oh, my God. I don't, I don't know if you saw the... the I mean, the, I'll have to look at it at some point, too. There's, like, the uh, Facebook comments for the ad we put out for that episode, too, and, like... <laughs> 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 it's So what I, you're saying is it works. I'd worked. It worked. I think the the cross-eyed Tanjiro in the cover really, you know, <laughs> really upset some homies. Um, it 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 is matching, if not, it's on pace to exceed the type of rage we got from the saying that Jujutsu Kaisen was a Naruto ripoff episode. And I I, I think if anything, considering the size, people will be angrier than ever. So Kay and Henry Yay! are in here today. Any little checkup things, a little golden nuggets we want to drop into our, our audience? The audience of squealing pigs hungry for content in front of the content trough, ready to gobble up this hot episode that we're slowing in there. Anything you want to mention? <laughs> For once, I did actually consume a new piece of media from uh, yeah. um, a silent voice. Mm. It's a movie. It's available on Netflix. Um, it's about. We had a, a little bit of a conversation with Alex Fields about that one. It's mm -hmm. very it's good. Good. It's I would so highly good. recommend it if no one else has ever seen it, but I'm assuming. I also very recently found out that it's by the same author as To Your Eternity, a show we talked about last week. Ooh, mm, yeah. yeah. I finally Ooh. watched some To Your Eternity, Henry, and why did you let me do that? You know I've been in a fragile mind state. This is not responsible, man. Yeah. Oh, God. So, um, other otherwise news, um, there's two new Phoenix Red Ace Attorneys co games coming out, which is going to be dope. I'm looking forward to that. That's like my favorite series of all time. When I was a young homie, and I can mention this because it has an anime adaptation. <laughs> when I was a young homie, I would be like bringing my DS into a fucking Applebee's and yelling like, OBJECTION! And my, <laughs> my grandma was oh, like, man. our little lawyer. <laughs> it's really hard. If your parents have told you not to play video games in the car, it's very hard to play Phoenix Wright. Because there's a moment at the end of one of the games where you, it will not continue unless you scream objection into the microphone. And, like, mm -hmm. you can't do that subtly. The the pro Absolutely. game the pro gamer tip is it works the same if you just blow into the microphone. And I so, tried. I swear to God I did. You tried to blow Phoenix Wright and it didn't work? Yeah. <laughs> Damn. I should have known then. Only Too Edgeworth straight. can get his sumptuous paws on that, <laughs> that legalese that he's, he's, he's holding. So uh, today we're talking about the fucking, one of the greatest shows of all time. We thought that after doing uh, doing the amazing like uh, Shonen Battle montage of the seasonal roundup, doing 20 shows at once handling that, of taking on the, the, the king, the number 17 moon chieftain of the Bakujan army, Demon Slayer. We've taken on the big boss. We've taken on the multitudes. We're taking it easy today. We're talking <laughs> about Yu Yu Hakusho, a show that is so good that it, it talks about itself, man. We could just have 25 minutes of dead 
dead air. People will be like, damn, I get it. If they just look at the cover art, they will turn bisexual immediately and then they will watch it. We do not need to sell it, but we're going to because we need to release a weekly episode. So, um, can I give some of the, uh, the background behind production and then we just dive into this? I would love that. Oh, right. yeah, absolutely. Sick. So, uh, Yu Yu Hakusho is the first big manga by uh, mangaka Yoshihiro Tagashi. And a unique thing here, and we'll talk about this by, at the end of Yu Yu Hakusho, is that a lot of Yu Yu Hakusho was written solely by him, even without, like, cleanup help. Which lent to the series Untimely Demise. Luckily not Togashi's Untimely Demise. Henry, remind me, is he also the mangaka for Shaman King? Not Shaman King. He is Hunter Hunter. Wait, what? Yeah. No, no, no. A hundred percent. Yeah. This dude wrote one of the greatest manga series of all time and followed it up with one of the greatest manga series of all time. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and then married the author of Sailor Moon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we are living his best life. So, oh like, we God. have, like, the champion of champions right yeah. here. Yeah. Wow. He's goaded, man. Gosh, it that's took like... its toll on his body, but what a body of work. Yeah, man, what a what a what a brilliant brilliant author. And we we're, we're going to kind of talk about the the physical body implications of this at the end and then also maybe why the breaks that he was allowed to take in Hunter Hunter maybe contributed to its success, but that was for the Hunter we'll Hunter episode. This week is Yu Yu Hakusho, the manga selling over 50 million copies in Japan alone, winning the prestigious uh, Shogakukan Manga Award for Shonen Manga in 1993, won the uh, Anamage Anime Grand Prix Prize back to back in 94 and 95. This was a super well acclaimed uh, anime and manga, and I, I think very much because it is. If I had to kind of like put one thing on the pedestal to say like this is the most heightened representation of 90s anime, I think I would put Yu Yu on that pedestal. And so that said, Kay, can you hit me with the first time you saw Yu Yu Hakusho? What was that like? I was maybe in second or third grade coming home from school and our, tra- our tradition when my dad would pick me up is that we'd get home and like I would do homework and whatever, but we'd have the TV on in the background and Toonami was always on. And I think Yu Yu Hakusho was one of the first shows to run. It was like Kenshin, Yu Yu Hakusho, and then like they would go on into other things. I think like the big O wasn't there. Like Gundam was there too, possibly. This was like early 2000s, 90s. I don't fucking but remember. But this, this was pre-bo-bo-bo-bo-bo-bo. <laughs> Pre-bo-bo-bo-bo-bo-bo. But, oh, oh my God, man. was that one good also? <laughs> <laughs> I think that show taught me that anime is just buck wild. And just get used to that. Yep, absolutely. There's there's a lot of radical acceptance that goes on. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I found the original lineup for Toonami. Can I hit it for you, like, of that year? Oh, damn. Yes, so, please. Because this is giving me so many memories, Kay. This is, so, in 2003, the lineup was uh, G Gundam, then Dragon Ball Z, Yu Yu Hakusho, then Roroni Kenshin. Oh, my oh, God. Boy. Oh my god. So so it's so, okay, lay out the scene. It's after school. The TV's flickering. This comes on. What next? I'm sitting my ass down and I am just so engrossed in it. And like, do I really know what's going on? Um actually, yeah. Because the <laughs> m- amazing thing about this show specifically for me is that like you can like pick up from wherever and you can like get a gist of what's happening like mm. it's very kind of handholdy in some ways but like for a freaking how however you eight-year-old i don't know in for a wee school, baby yeah for a wee baby this is like perfect and it's also like it's interesting enough to hold your attention and like the story is so easy to follow and it's great because like here's this big bad let's defeat it and here's the next thing let's defeat it and like the progression and the growth so easy to follow yeah absolutely absolutely and and henry what is your background with this show because i know you haven't seen a ton but what of it what what so for i think maybe the first time in brotaku's history i am not an expert on this show i (laughs) have seen a few episodes of it i I thought that's too much but anyway (laughs) anyway i've seen like a couple episodes of it probably in like 2003 after G Gundam, that was that was my show. I loved watching a man inside of a robot. But 
What I have the most experience with is the Yu Yu Hakusho abridged series on YouTube. Oh, fuck. So I know the characters, I know the memes, I know the basic shape of the story. I don't really know it all that well, so I I, I have questions. I'm going to be peppering them throughout. So, Henry, you're an accomplished uh, stage actor with a degree uh, in in theatre. Could you give me what a taste of what that Kurabara voice was like on the abridged version? Because I've never oh, seen it. Oh, I mean, it was just like a heightened version of the English dub voice. Like but what? You just go really low, <laughs> like and very gravelly, and you talk like this. <laughs> I'm Kurabara. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! <laughs> That's the voice he does. I'll be. Using that a bunch, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think Kubaro is what made me fall in love with the series. There's a oh, of course. And what's crazy now too is that that's Christopher Sabat who voiced um, Kubaro, which I hadn't realized because he's such an accomplished voice actor. And then I looked on his page and I'm realizing like, oh my god, when he recorded that, he was like just a little older than we are now. Like it, it's real crazy, you know throwbacks throwbacks but this is our origin story gang this is how we begin <laughs> what's <laughs> happening talking about the great watching it live <laughs> oh god um and something that blew my mind kate that i thought didn't sound right when you started saying after school you came home and watched this i was like that's not right kate's fucking lying right now tsunami was on it <laughs> tsunami was on at like 11 p.m and it's like no it was on from 5 p.m to 6 30 was when mm-hmm. the last show aired I don't know what's wrong. Yeah. Did, did they re-air it afterwards? Because they I could... they did. There was there was a point in time where they like changed everything to like make it come later, so that Toonami could also be the bridge between like where the anime ended and the more adult shows would come on. Mm. And then there was the line between Toonami and the Adult Swim block mm-hmm. on Cartoon Network that got fuzzier and fuzzier as time went on. Yeah. Right, right. And then Toonami ended, and then Toonami was rein- reinvented as a part of Adult Swim, and blah, 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 blah. It's whole, whole history there. Is there any other necessary facts we think that we, we got to start out with, or do we want to dive into like what the show is actually about? Nothing off the top of my head, other than if you grew up watching this, you're gay now. Yes. <laughs> there, there, you're some type of queer. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. No I'm sorry. This, is your, are. <laughs> that, this he, is your queer origin you story. Escaped, you narrowly escaped, Henry. You narrowly escaped, Rosenberg. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Two, two, two more episodes of the original, man. You sure would not be monocolor, bro. <laughs> okay. So, um, Kay, what the fuck is Yu Yu show about? So I started rewatching recently because I was like, I need to go on a nostalgia feels trip. Um, and I had absolute whiplash because this fucking kid, Yusuke Yurameshi, who is our main character, Yurameshi, <laughs> is actually like a middle schooler. He's fifteen. He's fifteen. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sitting here like, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> what am I doing thirsting over you? Well, not your fault. I mean, not your fault. Not being dead? Not be, that's, that's well, not being dead, do. but also, like, not being, like, so fucking ripped to shit. <laughs> like, my God, I am so soft. <laughs> and this 15-year-old pulls up and he punches God in the face. <laughs> like, oh ha! Oh, my God. Yeah, but so Why don't we I have, have a 12-pack in cum gutters like you're a mashie? Like. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, God. You're a messy. I see those. You're too cut. You're a messy guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> Proceed. I mean, basically. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. He's... Like what, what? What happens in this show? We got very distracted, <laughs> screaming the name of the main character. Tell us Henry, about Henry's going to be reeling in our thirst this episode. So thank you for the moderation, <laughs> Henry. Go ahead, guy. Wet blanket. He Coming is like. He's this punk, stereotypical punk kid, like, barely ever goes to school, like, is always in trouble, like, everyone suspects he's a gang leader or something, he's 15. Um, What happens, strange turn of events, is that he actually loses his life trying to save a child from getting hit by a car. Curse you, truck-coon! Yeah, and the the car hits him, and he, uh, he fucking dies. Uh, but he can, he can see everything and he can see how people are treating him as he's dead and see all of like the happenings that are going on. And 
we have our lovely Grim Reaper, Botan, who comes to him and is just like, you weren't supposed to die. You, 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 you really weren't. Uh, that, that car was going to swerve the other way and like miss the kid and the kid would be fine and the driver was only going to have a scratch. So you kind of wasted your life for nothing. And he's like, what the absolute fuck? Like, what, what, what then? What then? Konosuba. Like one nice thing and immediately get killed for it? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Right? Yep, absolutely. And so then he has to go through some trials to, you know, get his shit back together. And, like, with the power of friendship, he earns his life back under the condition that he comes back as the spirit detective. Mm. Mm. And he doesn't really do a lot of detectiving for the most part. It's, no. it's usually like no, the, absolutely it's just not. a cool name. Yeah, it's because there's a, a sky baby name. What's the sky baby's name who becomes like a, a teenage daddy? He has the pacifier the whole time. Um, oh, Koenma? Yeah. Wait, is it Koenma? They have Karama, Koenma, Koenma Kuwabara. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Koenma is the baby. And that's like not it's sky daddy. He's basically Jesus. Now mm. that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, he's like, he's the son of um, King Yemma. Is that it? Yemi? Yum Yum? Of Daddy Yum Yum in the sky. The guy who guards the spirit yeah. world. And the baby is looking at Yusuke throughout his entire life and is going like, Wow, this Mogreloid imbecile is going to die of a heroin overdose at 15. I can't wait to watch this play out. Then he gets hit by the truck in the act of self-sacrifice. And, Kay, did they make it clear, like, why that was a unique thing? Because they're not saying, because people die for nothing all the time. But it seemed like they were right. saying there's, like, a specific significance of, like, this wasn't in, like, fate. This was not, you, you, you have surprised fate by doing this in some way. Yeah, basically the whole bit is because, like, he's such an aggressive adolescent that everyone was like so shocked he dare do something nice yeah yeah in the same way that basically in the same way that god would be looking down on me if i cleaned my room even once like that would be the same <laughs> effect that would be betraying fate <laughs> um, so can we just lay out at the beginning um because so so immediately what are we hit with like in terms of the visual impact that the show has Kay, how would you kind of describe like why beyond the cool plot this thing just hits you immediately iconic absolutely iconic and like 90s anime mm -hmm. like if you're thinking like oh i want some like that sweet aesthetic quote retro looking anime shit like this is one of the ones you look at mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah henry do you want to do you want to lay out some of like the there's style like markers? something to to the color palette mm -hmm. of that generation of stuff like the the skin tones the like the colors of their outfits are very bold, but not very bright. It's kind of like muted and pastel-y and subtle. It's like you see that particular color palette and it just screams 90s to me. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone's got the big eyes, the big hair, like the hair being the big focal mm -hmm. point of a lot of the characters that it is yeah. in these days. And um, this was also... Everybody has a similar like face. Yeah but mm -hmm. very different details surrounding it. Absolutely. Yes. And I think this is also before anime invented having gigantic knockers as a 14-year-old. I think that, th <laughs> that was before yes. anime invented that. Everyone is a little bit more proportioned. Yeah, yeah, and they wear realistic clothes. I think, like, when I think Yu Yu Hakusho, I think, like, a lot of badass outfits, man. Like, really, really cool outfits. Mm -hmm. They, oh my god, they have such, like, straight-up 90s styles, though, when they go for the casual outfit shits, mm. though. yeah. It's like urban fantasy, sort of. Yeah. It's like all these very fantastical spiritual elements, but everybody's dressed like a realistic person. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, like you like for most of the show, I think Kuwabara and Yusuke are wearing their like middle school uniforms. Yeah. yeah, but they look badass in it. And they do. <laughs> the the way that this plot starts to unfold is essentially Yusuke, um, Yusuke starts gaining, like, stronger fighting powers as he's reborn. He eventually grows to meet his kind of, like, grown ensemble of characters. There is um, Hiei, who's the little, like, trans-mask, three-eyed um, uh, murder goblin character. There's uh, Kuwabara, who's the himbo who fights with a baseball bat that then turns into a lightning sword. And then, um, can you give us your love letter to Karama, Kay? 
Karama, you're the reason why I'm gay. Hello. Uh, <laughs> Karama is where my bisexual energy has stemmed from. Uh, he is, like, everyone's first love, mm. I think. Like, in terms of, like, his human self, because he's a demon. Yeah. Ooh. Spicy. Um, <laughs> spicy? <laughs> Mama, okay, he's, he's a demon. He's, I love him. I, I do. <laughs> His hair is so long. It's so long and flowing and absolutely beautiful. I like at the time. I guess for me, he was very much like the Legolas of anime. Mm, mm, if that I makes sense. That. that makes perfect yeah, sense. And then and then he turns into like an eight an eight foot tall fox demon, and then you're quaking. So yeah. Yeah, quaking is what you're doing. <laughs> um, Making you weak in the knees, let's say. Is it explained why Karama has a rose on him at all times? I'm not, I don't know. That, so that's like, fucking cool. so they explain that like fox demons are like that brand of demon. Like they have like nature attributes and his just so happens to be the rose whip. Mm. Also, yeah, also his weapon is a freaking rose whip. Jesus, so take that, that however gay. you want. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, and then, like, the, and the, the only reason why he has a human form is because, like, th- there's a whole bit where they're getting Hiei and Karama on the team, and they're going through a bunch of, like, their hashtag tragic backstory, and uh, in order to save himself, Karama ended up dying and then was reborn through a human person, so mm, yeah. now we have two versions. Yeah. How lucky are we? And so, what's so special about all these characters is that... Yu Yu Hakusho is a show that it begins with this absolutely like outstanding plot hook of the death that shouldn't have been, the man who needs to earn his way back into life by proving that, you know, he he has the capacity to do good. Um this amazing resurrection arc where um it's very it's the moment that he's resurrected, because his body's kind of laying comatose, you are introduced like to every character that has an unbelievable amount of pathos, like Yusuke's single mother, who is just so dripping with like, she, she's working hard, but she drinks a lot, and she's just trying her hardest. It's just portrayed so reasonably. Kuwabara, at one point Yusuke has to inhabit Kuwabara's body, and it's the funniest shit, because he's trying to just like find Keiko, his like love interest, and as he's running around the city every corner, there's just a new group of people being like, Kuwabara, time to fucking die. He's like, oh no! <laughs> and there's literally like twelve of them, and and it's that it, the show establishes full himbo credentials within fucking two episodes. And these characters are dripping with pathos. This show with this really rich color palette. No one does sunsets like Yu Yu Hakusho. And then you start seeing the plot expand because all these side characters are introduced his main group of homies is assembled of just little fashionista baby boys and then they have fight after fight after fight in ways that every fight means something more than what um it would otherwise be if they ran across each other into the street it's fights of ideology and, and planning it's not just willpower no jutsu um okay could you hit us with some of the like stand standout moments or what like defines the action of Yu Yu Hakusho that like what drives the plot forward usually yeah no definitely as you were saying like the fight and the plot and the thing that does take up a lot of time in the series and maybe one of the first instances I remember is like they really set the ground for like tournament arc mm-hmm, mm-hmm. type shows and like you you think tuning exams you think like whatever boku no hero shit that they ended up doing <laughs> like this is all a you you knock off okay yeah, <laughs> i mean i i like hell would kill me if i didn't say that like dragon ball z like had this as well but you're right oh i this, mean for this sure was for the sure. golden era for sure of the fights like, I have not seen much of Yu Hakusho, but I still know the term Dark Tournament. Mm. Like, that that arc of the series is legendary. Yeah, so I guess maybe we should talk about what makes, like, the Dark Tournament arc special, okay? Do you have, like, anything to say on that? Because it's, it's been a minute since I've seen it. I've actually just been rewatching this, like, yesterday and today. Um, I, uh, I don't know what to say other than, like, it's so uh, chef's kiss. Like, every, like... Everything is there for a reason. One of the reasons why I really like it is that there's basically, like, no filler. 
you just sit through the shit and it has meaning and substance and like this is why this has to progress this way and then we can go on to fight the bigger badder bads and the thing that's super cool about it is that because of this tournament style arc that they're getting into you have the introduction of all of these like interesting or fucking weird as shit demons with all of their cool special powers and like the more that you go on through this tournament the more that it just world builds itself because of mm. all of the characters that come up and all of the things that they can do and so like it's handholdy in that sense but at the same time it's like you don't need to rely on like other things because you're just relying strictly on these characters and these new things yeah that's I think the beauty of the tournament arc is it can introduce a lot of characters who reveal who they are and what they're like through their actions rather than having to be having explained. Like, oh, what's the guy? There's a guy who uses like tops. Mm. That, yeah. yeah, yeah, he's one and of the you first. You guys. can tell immediately that he's going to be a little stinker because he's a little punk ass kid who uses tops to hurt people. Yeah, and there's oh my god. There's there's so much good, like, design in that aspect where, like, you can tell by the character's powers, like, what kind of, like, personality they might read as, which is super cool. I don't know, Pax, how you watched it, but I have basically been strict dub because that's just how yeah, I grew up on it. Man, yeah. There's there's lots of weird accents in there. There is. That I did not remember. Yeah, there's this this one character has an Australian accent and this wind guy has a Scottish accent for some reason. Yeah, it's like a pseudo- I don't know. So so I'll I'll give a little taste of it. So this is before this is I think I think one of the reasons why this was so strong to dub is that like I, I don't think that the that Japan had as many really harsh rains on it. And so there's even instances in the dub where they like change things that are said to make a little more sense. Like when they finally fight Togoro in Yu Yu Hakusho, um, in the Japanese sub, it's written that when he has his final, final power up, that he's fighting at 120% power, which is, which is a, a trait that I don't like very much. I don't, I didn't like when <laughs> Deku went all for one a million percent, um, cause I'm just like, <laughs> but the whole time Togoro was going like, I'm fighting at 80% of my strength. I'm fighting at 76 and a half. You're the first man to make me use 91 one and seven quarters of my strength. <laughs> like, it's just like ridiculous specific amounts. Right. But in the dub, instead of saying he goes 120%, the way that people react is they go like, oh, he's just fucking lying, man. He was just fucking lying before <laughs> when he said that. Um, so, Similarly, uh, there's there Yusuke grows a ton in a short amount of time in the sub, and they say that he was gone for a month and he got all these powers. But in the dub, they just fucking changed it to six months. They were just like, he's been gone for six months. It didn't affect anything else, and so I kind of felt like, why not? That makes more sense. And then, um, just one shout out to a fact is that in Portuguese, Hiei's name is Dennis. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But That's the weird. dub is unbelievable. And I think some of these changes might not even have happened at the translation step. I think some of it sometimes might have just been the actors being like, could I just, uh, could I jazz a little bit on this one? And it was before, <laughs> I think it was before voice actors were generally like as classically trained or had as many resources as they do today. Like back then, if I'm thinking, how do I learn accents in like 95, I either go to a dialect coach, I just try to watch movies. There's not like a, there's not like a million YouTube sources and free like audiobooks and things that you can download to help you learn this accent. And so fucking, um, who's the, the blue haired girl, Botan? I love Botan, yeah. but her even her accent is like it's not very authentic, is it? Like she's not she's not super <laughs> like she she's not super well, there's realistic. Like, Yusuke, you not Yusuke. Why are you acting like this? <laughs> like it's not. Uh, um, Henry, did you have something to say here? I don't know how the dub portrayed. I was just gonna say it to like give a little of the context that I have. There was a big shift in the 2010s in what people valued in voice mm. acting. Like nowadays, people are looking for actors who have a naturalistic voice who can make everything feel like they're just saying it off the cuff whereas in the past one of the big things to becoming a voice actor was being able to do voices mm -hmm. that like idea of the stock voice character was much more of like 
what you were looking that for. That totally makes sense. It doesn't make sense. So another It doesn't make sense. Another reason why Yu Hakusho is a great time yeah. capsule. Oh, it's so There's good. no <laughs> excuse for why the redheaded wind guy that you were talking about, Kay, just sort of sounds like this, and he's like, oh, pip, pip, cheerio. What? What? There, there is a great, there is a great force of winds coming to you. I'm attacking you with my wind blast, ain't I? He, like, it's like, he's so... <laughs> so I'm, I'm sitting here like, oh my god, am I, like, back in this episode? Prepare for my oh, hurricane wow. of terror! <laughs> like, there's, like, an episode of, like, Courage where, like, Muriel adopts an old Irish accent and like it sounds like the wind guy. So, um, I fucking love it though. H- how about you, Kay? How do you feel like? Because this dub just makes me feel so warm, and I wouldn't recommend anyone watch this sub. But what about you? Yes. No, I'm I'm very much the same way, and I think that like, granted, I'm biased. There's so much nostalgia that goes into it, but also like, yeah, the idea that it's such a time capsule and to have a good laugh at it Mm. and at you know the standards of that time as far as you know voice acting goes um it's fantastic absolutely and i i am kind of shocked that the show feels as rich as it is because you were mentioning how they do world building during the tournament sagas i didn't realize the dark tournament it lasts from um episodes 26 to 66 and this is a show that's only like 112 episodes long 112 yeah so Mm -hmm. it's it's almost like half the show is the one tournament arc but it's special because there's a many tournaments within the tournaments like they go up against different teams they have times of going home and the plot is Mm -hmm. happening concurrently Sometimes to a point that's kind of extreme, because the last villain in it, I remember he's just kind of like, I'm waging everything against your team, Yurameshi, and if your team wins, then you die. But it, or if, wait, no. <laughs> Shit, no, I just like, <laughs> I fucked that up so bad. I fucked that up so bad. No, no. <laughs> if my team wins, you die. If your team wins, you you also die, Yurameshi. That's not what happens. It's <laughs> just, if my, team wins you die if your team wins then i will kill myself and he fucking does he fucking does he blows up the stadium Mm -hmm. and himself in it and he dies forever like oh i fucking love this show i love this show beyond all of that these fights are fucking amazing who's your favorite person to watch fight because like the the animation of it the the style of it is so fluid and gorgeous i I remember really I remember really loving Kuwabara, mm. just because. Well, because laser swords are cool for one. Let's let's get that right off the bat. But also, he is by far the biggest fuck up of the group. <laughs> like Hie and Karama Easily. are both like an ancient a million years old. They've been doing this forever, so they've got it all figured out. And Yusuke is protagonist, so he's got to have these special abilities. Kuwabara is allowed to fail. Mm. And that's exciting. Yes. That gives all of his fights stakes. Because, like, God, I know this man hasn't rubbed two thoughts <laughs> together in his brain once in his life. How the hell is he going to survive this? It's okay. It's so amazing because I just rewatched one episode of that. It had totally slipped my mind. So Hiei ends up ha- as a secret sister. And she comes to the tournament she arc. A? And... Shie, yeah, Shie. <laughs> um, comes to the tournament arc. And um, they had met previously before because one of the first missions that they go on is saving mm. her um, from captivity and all of this other stuff because she has special powers because don't they all? And Kuwabara has just gotten into this fight. He's like super down on his luck. Everyone's basically dead um, against the wall. And he has also been dead, couldn't been able to move for like the past 20 episodes, but you know, he's coming back finally because like, he's, he's the last man standing type of shit. And you know, he's, he's up against the wall and they're fighting and throwing punches. And he's like wondering why his like spirit sword isn't mm. working. And then suddenly Yukina, he a sister shows up and he's just like, <laughs> Yukino, the pinky string of love, and then he just like punches the guy out of the ring, and then that's that. That's fucking that. He wins because the power of love just made that himbo that much stronger. And I'm like, you're that is maybe the best fight out of all. Oh, you're so right. And the demons love watching him fight because one of the things that heightens all these stakes is that usually these are like, um, um. 
tournament areas in Demon World where there's like that one mermaid announcer and the one fox girl announcer and they're just like oh my god it's like I definitely feel pulled along like the bi the bisexual you know strings that they're pulling of just new hot character here oh new hot character there it really fucks you up um yeah absolutely but because these audiences are mostly staffed by demons they're always rooting against the characters and so everything about that world building just everything serves to heighten and magnify the stakes because even the audience always wants them to lose. That's why the audience has such a good time during cool bars fights because they're like, yeah, this is what humans are. They're basically mentally in- incompetent. Um, but for that reason, I, this might be a lame answer. I think I like watching Hiei fight the most um, because something so unique about this show is how the visual style at moments in the show, it, it always jolts between different artistic styles. The characters would be like cartoon chibi at one point and then just really grim uh, sort of like um, like bleach styled protagonist in another and then goofy standard anime. And then at certain points, um, they will become like full H.R. Geiger monstrosities like um, younger Togoro is just full Oh, just shuddering to look at some of these designs. And Geiger was one of his main inspirations in writing this, um, or, or in his art style, he said in a few interviews. But the way that the anime adapts it is unfucking believable And I think that this is a good time to kind of pivot into anime or manga. Like, what makes the anime remarkable for its time? Like, Kay, have you gotten to read any of the manga at all? I actually have all of it on my bookshelf. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, jealous. Not gonna lie. Um, thrift books, I was able to get all of them for like 50 bucks. Oh, my God. Wow. Wow. So if no one else has used thrift books. Okay. Uh, it's sponsor first. Hey, sponsor Katie, them. do you want to hang Please. out sometime? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll bring my full Naruto collection. It'll be great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that'd be great. So what that. is your takeaway from the manga? Because I've only read like a couple volumes. In the beginning, the style seems to be, it, it's a little, I don't want to say like chibier. That's not what I'm going for. It's simple. You're totally right. It's Sim- Yeah, simple. Simple. It's much more simple. And not, like the anime also in certain aspects is kind of simple but like it still gives it i don't know what i'm trying yeah, to it, say here i'm not i'm not, I'm start, not a it starts out kind of amateurish like the person. key pose the, the key yes. uh posing and the, the 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 framework the angling of the characters both in the anime and the manga it starts off kind of amateurish guys getting his footing but as it proceeds the sheer level of like experimentation that he goes through um in some manga you see that like um uh Henry, what's the name of the the DBZ Toriyama. Uh, Toriyama. Toriyama. Um he he's brilliant at laying it out where one character's eyes are pointing at the impact of the next frame and the movement of it bolts that over to the next frame, which bounces to the next frame. But the the manga's laid out in this like gorgeous kind of like pastiche of like different art styles, and sometimes characters will like interpose themselves over the frame boundaries and some mm-hmm. frames will have like barely any color or detail at all but deliberately and then another one will just come out and like punch your entire butthole off like really crazy shit but oh yeah i've heard my butthole's been blown <laughs> off by it <laughs> and that's why we do botakus really we're here to raise money we have our paypal link in the description we're trying to buy k a new butthole so please drop those bits in the chat so we can get a new hole stamped into k um, <laughs> um i've heard that the quality of the manga kind of dips down in the end was that like commensurate with your experience Maybe a bit. I feel like there was probably reasons for that. But I mean, like, it was nothing, at least in my opinion, like, super, super substantial. Mm. I'm also easily <laughs> impressed by literally anything. So. <laughs> That's why you're a perfect guest for Brotakus, the show where th- two untalented nerds have on their friends to be impressed by them. <laughs> Look at all these things I remember. <laughs> Look at these things. Um, the The style in the show, though, is fucking nuts. Because I love the, like, cerebral nature of how who, uh, gay fox red um, fucking uh, Karama fights. Karama? <laughs> Literally, love of my life. I said that about Rengoku, too, on the last Polly. episode I was on. But, I mean, yeah. hey. I'm sure a demon is down for a poly relationship. 
because he's really cerebral. He'll like lay his plan out, then he executes on it. And the way that this is mirrored in the animation, like Kuwabara, insane, huge, like camera movements around and around and the kinetic energy of how he hits works. Um, Yusuke is kind of all about these huge, big bursts of light. Um, Yusuke's main weapon is Spirit he, Gun! What is, spirit yeah, Gun. Yeah, Spirit Gun. He forms a gun with his hand and shoots out a laser beam spirit that clock. can pull, like, blow apart buildings. <laughs> Yusuke, has, Yusuke has the power that American police officers think <laughs> that black people have. That's, that is <laughs> that is Yusuke's power to unarmed, just blowing things apart with his empty hands. Uh, a cap, a cap, a cap. <laughs> um, but um, uh, Hiei fights with like super edgy, like super dark art style, the Black Blood Fox Moon level fifteen dark super blood scythe, and he'll unleash the like the dark flame attack. And what what? pulls me along about these characters is not their not just their characterization which the show will just take great like full episodes that are not filler to explore their relationships they'll go do a thing they'll interact with each other in a way that makes you fall in love with them but even just the way that these amazing animators why the anime specifically is a masterpiece conveys it there's moments with Hiei's animation specifically where his whole like character design like his on it just disintegrates and his his face warps in a way where if a less skilled person did it, it would look like a mistake. But like like keyframes just changing and his face, his eyes almost crossing and, and the laws of fucking like edges of objects fading in as he unleashes huge power and you really get the sense that you're you're delving into the um the insane, incomprehensible dark power that he has and I just can't believe that the anime has this, has different visual language for every single character in the way that they fight, but it all is still in the same show. You know mm. what I mean? It's it's unbelievable. I think we should give work. Even color wise, we should give credit to one of the one ahead. of the animators who did a lot of work on making Hiei's stuff look so crazy is a guy named Akiyuki Shimbo. He did a lot of work with Shaft mm. and directed nineteen episodes of the Yu Yu Hakusho series. Including a lot of the ones where he just goes full on beast mode. Shout out to Shinbo, man. Um, just really unbelievable stuff. And the way that the color is used. When I first saw JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, my first thought was like, oh, they're doing some Yu Yu Hakusho shit. Because in Yu Yu Hakusho, the color palettes of the characters are not about oh, is this on model for how we've drawn them so they look the same in every context, but more about the colors in relation to each other. So if if in one scene's lighting, a character might suddenly have purple skin and their traditionally, like, red coat appears green, they will pull all this, like, color fuckery, but it looks unbelievable. There are scenes where everybody is just different shades of red, mm-hmm. and they pull it off. Like, I, I wish, I honestly wish Anna was on, because Anna's good at using art words to describe what the fuck is going on here. I know an art word. Contrast. Name name one Contrast. artwork. Contrast, complimentary. Okay, Hershey. So you're an art you're an art fan, Henry. You're a I fan of art, Henry. It. Name every <laughs> artist then. Da Vinci. Damn it! There it is. The only oh one that matters. Uh, holy shit! So, um, Kay, you wanted to talk about like the lack of filler, the all killer no filler aspect of it. Could you hit us with that take? I I just think it's really fucking awesome that I know that I'm going to go into this and I'm not, none of my time is going to be wasted by something that like doesn't necessarily matter or doesn't necessarily like add to the plot or the characters or like the movement. Mm. Yeah. Can I ask a question there? Um, Uh, As someone who has seen bits and pieces, but not the whole thing, is there like one singular arc to the whole series or is it like a collection of, more episodic adventures what's like the structure of the the work as a whole there's definitely arcs to it but they all lead Mm -hmm. up to the end so it's not like a bleach arc they're not just constantly returning to status quo one thing is completed but it Mm. leaves room for the next thing that's going to happen there interesting okay are you down to talk about the ending a little bit Yeah, oh, so this this is the, I think, downside of Yu Yu Hakusho. But I think that this is where we could really get you and Henry talking about, like, the broader artistic questions of this stuff. Because um, 
how, when you when you first f- saw it, Kay, did you feel like something was missing at the end? <sighs> if memory serves me <laughs> correct, um, like a, a like like a little bit, and I couldn't place mm. it, but it didn't feel quite right and i feel like they kind of they tried to retcon Mm. certain things because there's two movies that did not do super well and they've recently more recently and within the past few years came out with um ovas Mm. which makes things feel a little nicer okay that's good like like the yeah like like the ending was a little bit more open-ended like it wasn't necessarily straightforward like here's the end yeah, I, I love that you hit on the kind of like retcons that happen there because the show laid out a lot of plot points. And I think one of the weaker things that you you would do is that they'd have these devastating, really interesting pop, plot points. And then a couple episodes later, a character would come along and solve it and be like on to the next thing. And some things would then just get totally retconned or thrown mm-hmm. out. And the way that the ending feels to me is it feels like the final arc is missing its third act. Like everything kind of... yeah. So so let's to get specific and and I think tell the interesting story behind the fall of Yu Yu Hakusho baby <laughs> the clickbait title um is is that Togashi gave a specific end date to his assistants and to his editors and he said hey listen I'm fucking ending the manga at this point so you can force me to head in this character direction but it means that I'm just going to fucking you know stop writing the thing on this date and so the last couple um, episodes of it and, ch- and chapters in turn are like um, rushed ending epilogue and then second time skip epilogue where they try to um, do a lot of explaining of all the loose plot threads, if that makes sense. And I have the letter that he read, uh, the letter that he wrote um, two weeks after you Hakusho finished. Can I kind of share that with the class? Please. Oh, please do. Thank you, daddies. So this is um, this is from Togashi on finishing the serialization of Yu Yu Hakusho, show, parentheses, looking back on failure. So he writes, if I'm honest, I'm feeling a great relief and pleasure at the thought that I've finally been able to finish Yu Yu Hakusho. show. It's not that I've lost all emotional attachment to the work, but I feel my stress levels had greatly surpassed my will to work. The six months leading up to the concluding chapter felt awfully long to me. To tell the truth, it had already been decided that Yu Yu Hakusho was going to end in December 1993, or rather, this was a decision that I forced on the editorial staff. There were many reasons for this, all in all, about 50 big and small ones, but in broad strokes, these were the major reasons. One, my body. Two, Thoughts I had about what it means to draw manga. Three, desire to do other things than work. Point three is out of the question for a professional manga writer. Basically, I wanted to indulge my hobbies, rest, and sleep as much as I could. Most of my 50 reasons fell into this category. Point one was caused by point three not being fulfilled for too long. When Yu Yu Hakusho began serialization up to the start of the Dark Tournament, I had half a day off every week in which I caught up on sleep. Other than that, all I had time for were occasional naps, and I'd indulge in my hobbies by sleeping less. For a while, I quite enjoyed this, but my HP, as they say in RPGs, was gradually but surely falling. And around the time I wrote a 31-page one-shot and simultaneously had to do color pages, my heart began to hurt every time I went without sleep. And then it began to hurt more and more often. So he then writes about... Thinking uh, about thinking, I don't want to die from overwork. If I die, I want it to be when I'm having fun or when I'm drawing manga for fun. Color pages are scary. One shots are scary. It saddens me to say this, but I had explored every possible direction for the characters that I could in the context of a professional publication. All I could do at this point was to start deconstructing the characters or go on repeating the same storylines over and over until the readers got bored. My attempts to deconstruct the characters were, of course, turned down by jump. I didn't have the strength physically and mentally to keep doing the same thing over and over. So I went ahead and did what I always wanted to. If I ever manage to have a long serialization in Jump, I will end it in my own terms. I knew that Jump dropped a manga after 10 weeks if the reader's surveys proved to be unpopular. I knew this when I started working for them, but the system proved encouraging for me, and I learned a lot by being aware of readers' reactions. But I ended up wanting to draw manga for myself without thinking about anyone's reactions. I don't believe that anything I came up with on this premise will live up to Jump standards, so I will not try. In conclusion... I ended Yu Yu Hakusho because of my own selfishness. I'm sorry. So. <sighs> That's like yeah. so yeah. fucking sad to yeah. hear. But it's all. But at, and at the same time, I hope that he can at least feel a little better about it because it's still such a beloved series, even after the ending, even after 
over 25 years have gone by of people still loving it. And like, even so recently, so they, it has a <laughs> oh um, stage God. play now, Whoa, which you is super big stage play. in Japan. I do. So while I was in Japan, they were promoting this a whole lot. It came out, I guess, last year and they, and it was received so well, I guess that they're doing a sequel of it. So, I mean, like, people still really like the story, really love the characters, so I hope that at least even though, you know, the ending might not have gone the way that, you know, fans expected or even he himself wanted things to go, like, there's there's still a whole lot of, like, mm. love yeah. around. Yeah, Henry, I know that you've done a lot of... um a lot of thoughts surrounding like manga production and the toll it takes. And you're a big Hunter yeah. Hunter fan. Can you kind of like, just give just your like thoughts every on Every time I hear about what it takes to create the manga that I love, I feel so guilty for loving it because it destroys mm. these people's lives. Um, I recently learned what um, Oda, the, the, the author of one piece, what his weekly schedule is. He has maybe, one hour of free time per day and sleeps maybe four hours a night and just pours mm. his entire life energy into creating this miraculous, wonderful piece of art. But I just, I don't know. It makes me so sad. I worry about like the future of manga production. How can you make that your goal if you know it will destroy you? And for the author of Yu Hakusho, yeah. it being a manga creator destroyed his body. He has severe, like life-altering back pain caused by the work that we have all enjoyed. I just, yeah, I just feel guilty every time I hear about it. Like that uh, article, that letter that you just read, I. I roll this around in my head a whole lot. I'm glad he got to do it on his own terms. I just wish it had been for a better reason than he just physically couldn't do it anymore. Yeah, yeah. And and to be at the point mm -hmm. where he... I, I think a key point here and something that Dr. Nona Carter mentioned when we, we did our Akira episode is that he felt like his two options were to repeat the same storylines over and over again. Uh, until his readers got bored, a la Bleach, I think the ex the complete repeat, you know, Control yeah. V, Control V, Control like, V, the Bleach same plot, same plot, after same plot. the Soul Society arc, it would have been one of the greatest manga of all time. But they that there isn't like Yo. a oh yeah like commercial incentive to make yeah something that ends well yeah. And then um, deconstructing the characters, can you kind of explain what's meant by that? Oh, Henry? I think that means like having a character who's devoted to the goodness in humanity being forced to being confronted with all of the darkness in humanity and have it change who they are and kind of destroy them or show mm. or creating characters it, that are dark reflections of who they are and having to grapple with that thinking about what could have been what may still come yeah that's a really good point i, I think for yu yu Hakusho, that's probably correct too to i think that that's the correct interpretation because i was originally thinking another way that this can manifest deconstructing the characters are um naruto shippuden is the greatest example of this where the ninja world war arc is considered to be the worst uh the fourth ninja world war arc is considered to be the worst in uh, naruto and it goes on five ever and all of the characters in that arc wear identical costumes because it was a deliberate choice by the mangaka to say i don't want to i can't fucking i just fucking can't draw costumes of the same complexity that i used to back in the day i physically can't and so part of the reason why shippuden happened was so every single character could get a dumbed down art style that was more Im easy to draw the reason they all end up wearing deliverable. the same fucking vest yeah and then they all end up with identical things and so uh, Henry, how did you feel like like the story of Togashi ends? For Hunter Hunter, where have we left off? Where does your gut say that as a mangaka, his work ends? I think he doesn't... The focus of his life is not on his work anymore. 
I think that's a very mm. beautiful conclusion for him to come to. He still will occasionally put out chapters of Hunter Hunter, but now he is getting to live his life and reap the rewards of creating all these beautiful works of art. I highly, highly doubt he will create a new series ever again in his life. I think he is readjusted and, in my opinion, fixed his own priorities. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, um, Kay, did you read Berserk at all? I did not. Gotcha, because Kentaro Miura just passed the manga cop for that. <gasps> yes, and I did see that. Yeah. And a lot of people are pointing to the sheer overwork that things cause, because even if he took many breaks, I think something that's kind of clear here, and Henry, you were brilliant in pointing this out, is that the health problem started here, and it's not fucking it's not fucking Yu Yu Hakusho where fucking baby god can take the the egg or can take the pacifier out of his mouth and bring you back to life. That shit stays with you for the rest of your life. Huge health issues like that. And so the fact that like he glowed up Followed up one of the best manga and anime of all time with maybe the best shonen anime that's ever been made and the best one of the best mangas ever. Then married the creator of Sailor Moon and now can take months long breaks. Fucking George Washington, that shit, dude. <laughs> Retreat to your dimension of rest, man. You have earned this shit, Absolutely. man. Like, my God. <laughs> it's uh, like I'm sad. I, I want to see the end or like the perfect end to Hunter Hunter. But if this guy gets yeah. to live a good life from here on out, I think that's a hit I'm prepared to take. Yeah. So let's end on that moment of like what this art really does mean. Because even if one of his works ended a little rushed and one of them will most certainly never end. Um, because the Dark Continent arc that Hunter Hunter is leading to seems like there could be a whole second half of the series going on. Does not seem likely. He hasn't written a chapter in two yeah. years. Minimum, I think. Maybe three. But Kay, looking back on Yu Yu Hakusho and the journey of it and what it means to you... What does it leave you with, man? What was it like to fall in love with Yu Yu Hakusho? I find myself, because I come back to it every so often, and I find myself falling in love with it over and over again. And it's, granted, nostalgia, but, like, there's something very, like, warm and comforting about, like, the characters mm. and the plot and the growth and what they go through and how they interact with each other and, you know, how they're able to go through such trials out on top all the time. And it leaves it leaves mm. me with very warm feelings, <laughs> very warm, very happy feelings. And so, like, yes, even though the ending was not what we wanted to be, you go back to that dark tournament arc, and you're just like screaming. Yeah. Gosh, and then the nostalgia too. I'm not sure what the fucking laws were for TV at this time, but like, there was a shitload of blood even on Toonami. <laughs> like, it was something where it's like fucking a character gets oh, his yeah. skull blown off, and it was you know fucking it's bitch <laughs> goodness. There was there was a whole dude that just decapitates people and yes. that's his spiel. Yo, yes. Oh my god. It's like, man, homie getting his skull kicked off 6 p.m. on a school day. Goddamn. <laughs> um But then it has that strange remnant of during the last fight of like the elder um the elder muscle sibling who who becomes like one of the main villains of uh the show, in which he's talking to kind of his like dark evil overlord sponsor, and he goes yeah, I want a glass of orange juice with ice cubes. <laughs> and like, and that was almost certainly <laughs> champagne in like, you know, the shit. And so it's like the what the whatever American laws were <laughs> that you could be that. like, that you can have just cut a man in half with your hand and then be like, I could go for, a, or I could go for an orange juice and a lollipop. I could right go now. for the nice, refreshing flavor of Tang made here in the USA. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh and that's really that's what Yu Yu Hakusho is all about um, everything everything about it I don't think he realized it at the time but it's it just soaks you in that nostalgia the nostalgia of making young friends the nostalgia of spending time with them after school and experiencing sunsets together and having dreams and then also dealing in extremely dark mature well-written nihilistic things this is the author of the chimera ant saga okay. for fuck's sake you know he has big thoughts in this so yeah uh would we recommend you you show <laughs> absolutely like there is no if ands so or buts about it who is there anyone that you wouldn't recommend it for pussies <laughs> who don't like fun fucking bug ass <laughs> bitches that's who bug ass bitches uh 
<laughs> Beloved Brotacus if listeners, like if you are a punk ass bitch, please know that you please still listen to the podcast. Hit that thumbs up, subscribe. <laughs> to all of our punk ass bitch pussy <laughs> listeners out there, uh, our pussy identifying listeners. Um, even if there are some moments that haven't aged quite as well, fantastic show. Broad recommend. If you absolutely can't stand blood at all, maybe not. Um, if death is a, a trigger for you, uh, uh, then don't. But my God, what a mature, gorgeous show! Just do it. Just, just watch it. <laughs> even for even for Karama, watch some Karama episodes. Yes. You'll be hooked. absolutely get That's your himbo fine. sauce. Turn bisexual. Eat hot chip and lie. Watch Yu Yu Hakusho. So, uh, yes, <laughs> eat hot chip eat and hot lie chip all and day lie. long. So, um, that said, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Please watch Yu Yu Hakusho. Absolute classic. And if you liked what you heard, please give us a five star rating on Apple Podcasts or review us on your favorite podcasting app. Hit all the buttons. Ring all the bells on YouTube. It really does make a difference in every review counts. And with that said, I am Pax. I am joined by K. Obey-Wan Kenobe. I am joined by Henry Shankity Stick. And this has been the Yu Yu Hakusho episode of Bro Takus. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will see you all next week. Bye, y'all. Yusuke, you're a machine. Oh, Yusuke. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Oh, God. Thank you.